Amen. Amen. Amen in the back. Amen. Okay. I'm Jace. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through my performance, the law... Christ died for nothing. I come from a family who has trouble, trouble communicating. My dad doesn't own a cell phone. He said, you see that apple? I'm out. (laughs) He would say that and I, I couldn't figure out. Where he was getting that. And I finally, finally got it. The garden. It doesn't say an apple. It just says fruit. But I was like, he's made a connection there. <laughs> My dad's heart is right. Because he knows the instant access of what that brings. But to be fair, he'll go on a rant in the duck blind. And then say, somebody call Miss Kay on the cell phone and tell her to get dinner ready. <laughs> Thought cell phones were out. So my mom called on her. I think she still has a flip phone. She was having some problems with her legs. She was at the doctor and she was checking in, giving us reports. And so I was the translator because Phil won't use a cell phone. And so he's getting the report. And so my mom said, well, it's looking good. They did an autopsy and figured out that they're going to treat it with nitroglycerin. So I told my dad and he said, so they're they're blowing up a dead body. I'm not making this up. This is what happened. We went on. So I quoted Galatians 2.20 for you. Because here I am. My biggest fear is public speaking. I was a real shy kid. You know, our beginning was bumpy. My parents weren't Christians when I was a little kid. So I learned... Keep your mouth shut. Keep your head down. Don't say much. So, what, what am I doing here? That's why I read that. I have been crucified with Christ. and I no longer live. He's gone. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. He gave himself 
for me. So the question is, is Jesus the one? Is Jesus the one? That was a question asked in Matthew 11. You remember what Jesus said? The question, is Jesus the one? Here's what he said. Verse 4. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. You know, Jesus came. You would think if I was in charge, I wouldn't send Jesus in a time where there was no technology. There's no mass media. I mean, he came, around, came here as a simple man, a comp- carpenter, ran around with fishermen. He hung out with the sketchy, real sketchy, those hated by the world. He argued with religious people. The government felt threatened by him, thought he was a loose cannon. And yet here he is. God in human form, he put his arms around people. He had face-to-face conversations. He went around in small groups, kind of outside the norms of society. So, why did he do that? Now, here we are in the... The technology age, the information age. I just heard a cell phone go off. So I'm going to ask you to do something that's kind of crazy. And I've broken down our technology age, our cell phone age, into two camps for the purpose of this short message. The young people, who is anyone under 40... Now, I hate it if you're over 40 and you just got offended. But for the purpose of today's message, the young people are 40 and younger. 40 and above are older. So I'm going to ask you, unless you're watching online, turn your cell phone off for the next 20 minutes. Go ahead and turn it off. I don't want to hear I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible on, on it. Turn it off. This is not about information. This is an introduction. There's a difference. You could go online and read about me and form an opinion. Most of it would be wrong, what you read. You could meet me and watch me and follow me around and have a better understanding of who I was. Now, could we do this with Jesus? Yep. I'm not going to tell you the story of Jesus because the story only means something if you know the person the story is about. I read one of the craziest passages there is, Matthew 11. He said, are you the one? And he's like, look at what a... Look at what I did. You know what he went on to say? In verse 18, For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. They formed opinion based on information, not 
an introduction. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard. This is Jesus talking. It's red. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by our actions. Hmm. Romans 5.1. You said, you made me turn my phone off so I can't follow you. It's okay. This is not about information today. You'll get this as we go along. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we've gained access. We've gained access by faith into this grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So what's the problem? Here it is. We've got faith in Jesus. I no longer live. Jesus speaks through us. We know Jesus. The story means something. We know Him. We have God as our Father. Jesus is our Lord and Savior and Brother. And then in times when we don't know what to do, we have the Holy Spirit as our Counselor. What's the problem? Two chapters later, in chapter 7... In verse 21, it says, I find this law at work. thought we were saved by grace and not our performance. You find the same law working that I do. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. What a wretched man I am, verse 24. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've thought about that since I was 14 when I got to know Jesus. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and Today and forever. Can't get it. These withdrawals will last two weeks. Once you turn the cell phone off, it will last two weeks. You're five minutes into this. It's way harder. I'm not picking on y'all. I'm fixed to pick on them. What I realized that Romans 5, we've gained access to Jesus now. Because if you were the same yesterday... Today and forever, that means you would be now. Uh Uh-oh, this is heavy. Maybe that's why he said, I am. They said, where are you? He said, I am. Are you? I am. You can't get quicker access than now. That's why if you read... Second Corinthians, and we're going to read this backwards, chapter 6 and verse 2, then we're going to go backwards. The question is, why are, why are we here? Why are you here? I've already explained why I'm here. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. 
my biggest fear has been overcome through the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. So why are we here? 1 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, there's our word. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I'm going to back up. This is, this is weird. You'll see. Verse 1 of chapter 6. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. God's grace. He loves you. He came and lived a perfect life in Jesus. He stretched his arms out on a cross. His body was just butchered. After he had gone face to face, person to person, putting his arm around people, said, Yes, taking the people who were guilty, the worst of the worst, saying, I love you. I'm taking up for you. Don't receive that grace in vain. This, he's talking about working in view of God's grace. He's talking about doing it now. Let's back up. Here's the grace, verse 21 of chapter 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's go to 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let God speak through you in view of His grace. Verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against Him. I look back on this church, I'm inspired by trailblazers. Carl Allison was the dean at the Bible school that was here. He said, I think it's a great idea for young people to learn the Bible. And by learning the Bible, it points them to the altar. I spoke in Indiana last weekend. It was an event. For our community, we were honoring the backbone of America, our military, our police officers, our firemen, our first responders. They display a love that makes America great because they go into a burning house and they don't care what you did, what you look like. They try to save you. They're doing their job. They love people, whether they're acknowledging or not. They're risking their life. So they said, come speak for us, but don't talk about the Bible. Because this is a community event. I was like, perfect. They were like, really? I thought you'd have a problem with that. None. So I got up. I thanked them for what they do. And then I talked about the author of the Bible. I introduced Jesus. And I got to the end and I said, look... 
If I was in your line of work and there was a way to live again, I would want somebody to say, check Jesus out because what you're doing is dangerous. Crowd got up. They started clapping. You know why? It just makes sense. I go around and I ask three questions. Some of you, when you were in junior high, you heard me passionately because I taught junior high for ten years here. I passionately ask three questions. Right now, those questions are going off in your head because I see some of you that were there. What? How did I get here on the planet? It's a valid question. What am I doing here? That's a really good question. I just asked it earlier. Now, I read why we're here. We represent Jesus. We communicate as God's ambassadors to a world because of His grace. We communicate that God is good. He's for us. He answered the first question because He made you. You're a masterpiece. How are we leaving? Flying. First Thessalonians 4. We talk about the author. Three sections. Jesus is coming. Genesis to Malachi. You got that section. This is an introduction. Matthew to John. He's here. Acts to the Revelation. Come on. He's coming back. Don't be surprised. Two kinds of people. Those that are surprised. Those are ready. Choose wisely. So what's the problem? Why'd you ask us to turn our cell phone off? What's the problem? We're in a war. The rules of engagement have changed, if you hadn't noticed. Now I brought up Carl Allison, visionary. Bill Smith, a mom came. She had been kicked out of her house, had three kids, came to West Monroe. They helped her, gave her a job. This is my mom, if you hadn't figured that out. They said, what about this old boy? Forget him. Bill Smith said, no, let's ride up and share Jesus with him. At the bar, he's leasing. That's a radical, that's a radical idea. You know, have we stopped doing that here? I mean, this is, the story was the equivalent of something you'd see on Jerry Springer. Let's drive to Arkansas and share Jesus with this guy. Alton Howard said, you know what? We're the most powerful people on the planet. We're going to live forever. When we worship God, why don't we try to do something kind of exciting, different? Let's move some of our people up to the front and turn them around and spice this thing up a little bit. People say, I don't know about that. <laughs> Revolutionary! Those three guys, they're not dead. They're witnesses. They'll be back. What are we going to do now? 
We need some people to step up now. I broke this place into two camps. Why are we here? We got those under 40. There's where our energy, our passion. People are more open when they're under 40. That's just a fact. There's a reason Jesus got to 33 and said, you know what? I'll do it. (laughs) You know what makes vibrant churches young people who are on fire for Jesus? This crowd right here that are going out there and saying, have you thought about Jesus? People are impressionable. But the people over 40, they should be encouraging the people that are under 40 to go out there and live for Jesus. I saw a man right here, Tommy Fowle. I'm glad you're still with us, brother. When I was 16, and of all things, I'm going to bring up a phone conversation. I'm going to get to the cell phones. Hang on, all right? When I was 14, I came to Jesus. I got to see my dad transform, my mom. Greatest sermon I saw was in actions, Matthew 11. I tried to not do wrong. I didn't understand Galatians 2.20. I was trying to achieve righteousness on my own. I was shy. I've already told you my biggest fear. But I kept reading what I was supposed to be doing. Why am I here? I'm here to represent Jesus. How am I going to do that quietly? I'm in high school. I'm hearing what they're fixed to do. And they say, what about you? I say, I'm out. They say, why? I put my head down. So I get a phone call one night. Hello? They didn't say anything. Hello? They didn't say anything. This phone was mounted to a wall. Imagine if you're under 30. (laughs) I said, I'm glad you called because I got something I need to share with you. You don't have to say anything. I nervously got my Bible and I started introducing Jesus for the first time. This is my biggest fear. Number two was death. They sat there and they sat there, but that silence was golden. Because the more they listened, the more I realized this is the greatest news on earth. This person sat here for three hours and just listened. And I said, you know what, after three hours, that's all I got. (laughs) Call back tomorrow night and we'll continue. Click. And they did. We went another three hours. I said, you know what? My rough upbringing might have been the reason I turned and got introverted. But as Paul Stevens once shared, anybody that's heard his story, it's not an excuse. I'm going to let Jesus move in. And I'm going to march back to this school. I'm fixing to tell them why. That's why I'm here. So thank you, brother, at 16. He said, we got a little group of people you need to share your story, too. I was like, no, I'm out on that. You remember that? I said, I'm out. <laughs> I don't do public speaking. But I did. And every time I'd turn a page in the Bible, I'd rip it because I was nervous. So what's that got to do with cell phones? 
In Luke 15, Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And they said, you can't be God. Look at who you're hanging around. This crowd is sketchy. And he tells these parables about why he's here. I'm here to rescue the one. Well, guess what? You're the one. That story only means something when you say, I'm the one he's after. And he gets to what people incorrectly call the prodigal son. There was two sons. One of them represents the person, the younger brother, who is, they don't want to miss out on what the world has to offer. Would you all agree that's the young brother? The older brother represents the Pharisees, the religious. He's right there all alone. And he missed out on a relationship with a loving father and his family. So, if you're under 40, you, you realize where we're at. When you bring up the cell phone, that's where we're at. You have the younger crowd who don't want to miss out. Talking to these young kids, they get on there. The older crowd has turned into mind-controlled robots, zombies, cell phone zombies. You say, what? Cell phones. You you say, okay, we're driving down the road, and you look up, traffic stop. You're like, well, what happened? Something's wrong. There's a person at a red light and a screen. They're sitting there. And then they look up, and you see their phone in your hand, you're like, oh, cell phone zombie. They just have a weird look on their face. Y'all are acting like you had not seen this. You can't drive 100 yards without running into one. I'm going to give you the stats. So, you say, what, what has this got to do with Luke 15? The older brother should have encouraged his younger brother not to make these decisions. He should have gotten out of his room and came up with the idea of throwing a party Years ago. But he sat in his room with the equivalent of a cell phone and just let life pass him by. And some of you say, I'm, I'm not following you. Let me give you some, some stats. These are frightening. 82% of our teenagers have a cell phone. 82%. That's a lot. The number one cause of death last year in car accidents, distracted drivers, 11 teenagers a day die in a car, cell phone related. 1,600 toddlers and younger, they just riding in in the car, but their parents were. Boom. You say 1,600. That only means something if it was your kid. Tell you what they're not doing now. You're six times more likely to be in a wreck with a cell phone than drunk driving. Well, times have changed. The average time of day... That 13 to 18 years old spend on a cell phone is nine hours. I said, well, that can't be right. So I kept looking. Well, wait a minute. Your mind almost can't 
fathom that. The average time 8 to 12-year-olds are on it is 6. Of course, if you're wondering, why in the world would they have a phone? That's what I was wondering. You know, even the world, I did the research, even the world and the counselors thinks it's a bad idea for anybody under 14 to have one. These are not Christian people. They, you, you read the research. And anybody, here's what they said, who spends over two hours a day, here's what you see an increase in. Unhappiness, depression, cyberbullying, hopelessness, and suicide. When you're connected online, you're disconnected offline. Now you say, well, you're picking on cell phones. Where did this come from? I noticed an attitude problem with my daughter. And I knew 1 Corinthians 10. When you say a bad attitude, you just back up. You can read 1 Corinthians 10 later. You're testing the Lord because you're doing sinful things. You've rationalized it because you set your hearts on evil things. I just went backwards. You set your heart on evil things. You don't want to miss out on what the world has to offer. That's what this young man said. Well, now we have instant access. And there are three things that you'll find on the World Wide Web. First John 2. It says, don't love anything in the World Wide Web. Did you know it says that? I added Wide Web. Because there's three things there in the world. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. So the Internet, the phone, has become the cell tower of Babel. We've all come together. We can do amazing things when we're speaking the same language. God said that, Genesis 11. But to be that young and not equipped, you need someone older saying, this is a bad idea. I stopped yesterday in the middle of the row, 10-year-old kid. I said, hey, boy, how old are you, 10? I said, do not skate. He was riding a skateboard down the road with a cell phone looking at it. I had to stop. And he, I said, hey, don't skate and sell. <laughs> he just looked at me like I was crazy. You know? I said, why'd you do that? I don't want him to die. That's dangerous. Skateboards are dangerous already. So I gave you all the physical attributes, all the stats physically. You wouldn't give a kid a gun and say, good luck. Well, wait a minute, Jace. That's dangerous. I'm not even talking about the spiritual, just physically. You don't think a cell phone's dangerous? I'm talking about it's instant porn. You don't even have to pay for it. So I noticed this attitude. I told me, I said, go get the cell phone. Held the cell phone up. I asked her if I could share this story. She said I could. So is there anything on here that Jesus wouldn't approve of? Nope, good. Make a long story short, that wasn't true. I was like, where's the action on this phone? I was looking at text, you know, no, no, no. Found this Snapchat. So what's Snapchat? Did a quick tutorial. Called some of my Hollywood geek buddies. And I said, I want to know how to find stuff that's been deleted. That's all, I, that's all I worry about. He's, I was like, is there a way? He's like, look, if you put something on the computer, 
we'll find it. I said, you're just the guy I need to know. That's scary to some of y'all, isn't it? Well, if we started digging around in your, in your cell phone this morning, that's why I want you to turn it off and then want you to be nervous. Here's, here's the deal. I know what's there. I got into the bowels of Snapchat, and boy, did it stink. Woo! All bad. So see, some of your parents are like, my kids on Snapchat, and there's not a problem. <laughs> here's the number one rule in dealing with cell phones. The age below 40 are way smarter than you who are over 40. Hello, cell phone zombie. The reason the parents are not doing anything about it because they're staring at their wall or Facebook. And they become a zombie. Go to the airport, sit there and look. Two kids will be on Snapchat. You'll see the flashes. They got the streak going, you know. But they always got their phone turned away from their parents. The parents are sitting there looking there. I'm like, they're cutting up right there beside you. You try to tell people, not my kid. I started finding all this information from all these kids, seeing people. In, I've called people in this church because I was acting like my daughter on the cell phone. I mean, I became her. I'm with the crowd. We're talking. I'm not using the four-letter words, but you get it. So finally I called a mom, and I was like, your daughter is having a party at your health this weekend. They're going to get drunk. She's like, that can't be right. I was like, I just read it on, on the cell phone. Didn't believe me. I said, there's a reason I've never called you before until right now. Your kid, even though they're in the seventh grade, is in trouble. I just read it. Nope. Didn't believe me. I took a picture of it and sent it. She's like, huh, I'm shocked. So we took the phone away. They figured out after a while that it's not Mia on the phone. So I formed a group chat, and I said, with her eight friends on there, I said, things have changed. This is Mia's dad. If you want to be her friend and help her make better decisions, you will have to come to my house with your parents before this relationship continues. Because I've read everything that's been going on here for a year, even the deleted stuff. And it's all bad. And some of these, not my daughter, but some of her friends, they're having relationships with way older men on here because it's not real. And it's the, you know, show me mine, I'll show you yours type stuff. I'm like, if you told that to a parent, they'd take notice. They're not noticing because they're, uh, uh, the, the zombie, they don't know they're a zombie. So I took her phone away and I took my phone away. What are we, three months into this? It's been awesome because six of those eight, and we have number seven coming, they've come to my house. We've had a face-to-face conversation. Kind of like what Jesus did about real life. They're kind. You say, what do you do? We extend them grace. They're kids. They made a bad choice. As parents, you wake up and say, bad idea. It's going to take both age brackets Working together. 
these people down here on the front, this, we need their energy. We need them going out sharing Jesus. But as older people, put down the cell phone. Go get your kid or a kid. Tommy Powell did that with me. I wasn't his kid. He said, you need to go over here and speak. That was a great idea. Thank you, brother. I'm stopping on the road. Get off that cell phone. Love Jesus. What? Crazy guy. When you walk into my house, and I'm going to close with this, we have a no cell phone policy. Kids know it now. They turn their cell phones in. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to play outside. We're going to play the piano. We're going to do something. The benefits of it, exercise, social skills. This is the world we live in. This is it. I'm sure that's one of the most bizarre messages you've ever heard in your life. It's uncomfortable. Because what we need to do is march to our homes and realize we need to have a conversation. This is not working. We're wasting time. All that Jesus stuff sounded good till we started talking about phones. But that's where we are in our culture. So let me give you a public service announcement. If you continue to be led by that phone and you drive on Arkansas Road, you will not be on this earth long. So I'm going to ask you today at this point, look, I'm, I'm going to ask you, Number one, you can respond to Jesus and we'll baptize you. And if you want to bring your cell phone, we'll baptize that too if we have to. The, the last person I baptized, he came out of the water. And I was like, you know, I gave him my phone number. I saw him. I was like, you had, I hadn't gotten a text. You hadn't. He said, oh, I smashed that phone with a hammer. I didn't tell him to do that. But you know what I knew right then? He realized something. I've been doing some things here that are wrong, and I'm going with Jesus through faith. So if you need to be one of those people that smashes your phone, that's fine. There's some good things about it. You can listen to a podcast called Unashamed with Phil and Jace Robertson. There are good things going on. But if you're talking as a married person to an old girlfriend or boyfriend, and you've justified it, what you know that's wrong. Do I have to tell you that's wrong? Do I have to tell you that your worth doesn't come from how many likes you have on Facebook? This drama, this meaningless knowledge that you're reading. You say, oh yeah, but I'm trying to share Jesus to the world. I tried that. Guess what? All these social media providers, they started blocking me, censoring me. So if that's your end game, that's not going to work. Because they're going to block. Let's be like Jesus. Let's have real, meaningful conversations face-to-face about life. If you need to respond to that, get up, bring your cell phone, and get down here, and let's start now. Come on.